Mr. Hollis Podcast coming out here in these streets. The Avenue 5 Podcast. Y'all gonna want that podcast. Most definitely. I like that. Exactly. Welcome to the Ali and Favo After 5 Podcast. It's your boy Drew, co-host of the After 5 crew. Uh, today we have somebody really special on, Antonio Buckley. Antonio is a realtor, insurance broker, and a uh, mortgager. Uh, Antonio, welcome to the show. Let's get into it. What's going on, fellas? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing, man? Thanks for coming to the show. No problem, no problem. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you all for the invitation, and uh, I look forward to uh, this thoughtful and productive engagement. How about that? Hey, the happy hour, that's doing good. We sip wine and we drop that knowledge. So we don't. Hey, as soon as we finish, it might be a, a little smoke in there for me and a little, little libation of my choice. How about that? Well, this is the happy hour. Well, you don't have to wait. We do it doing our show. That's why we're talking about. Oh, the no, the, um, where, where I'm going to do that is it's a, little, it's a little noise in there. So we're going we're gonna to do it right here. <laughs> <laughs> So Antonio, introduce yourself and you know tell us how you got into uh into real in the real estate. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So uh, my name is Antonio Buckley. I am a um, 18 and a half year military vet. Um, I got hurt jumping out some perfectly good aircraft, so I decided to go ahead and try my 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 hand at life. Um, I started in realty uh, after buying my house. I said, hey, I want to uh, buy and sell houses or buy and flip houses, and ended up becoming a realtor. Um, and then I decided that, hey, you know, the next step in that, that wheel was to uh, go ahead and uh, do some insurance work. So I started life insurance and uh, just recently um, got an opportunity to, to go into the mortgage industry uh, with a good friend of mine. Um, he had a mortgage company already, but he decided to partner with the uh, largest black bank in America uh, or the largest minority owned bank in America, Liberty Bank and Trust. So I've um, been doing that since July and uh, in love with the idea of helping my people. Man, that's awesome. That's really awesome, Antonio. Hey, so, you know, just going back to like, uh, you know, real estate, I mean, is, to, is, is this the right time to buy a house, you know, with everything that's going on um, as far as, uh, you know, with COVID and pricing, uh, as far as the housing going up, is, is, is it a good time to buy a house now? You know, it's never a bad time to buy a house. Uh, period, you know, and, and um, I'll just qualify it with the, the, the capital period, you know. Um, and the reason being is, is that uh, buying a house is the fastest way to get to wealth generation for anybody in America. Um, you know, this being um, a minority centric uh, situation, it's the absolute best thing for a minority business, uh, business owner, uh, just somebody that wants to, uh, you know, build equity. So, there's never a bad time to buy a house. But right now in this market is the best time to buy a house. It might be a little high to buy now, but uh, mortgages are going to keep appreciating probably for the next five to 10 years. Oh, wow. That's, that's, uh, that's real interesting. So, so Antonio, I'm sorry, not mortgages. I apologize. Not mortgages. The equity in your house is going to appreciate for the next five to 10 years. Let me clarify that. So Antonio, um, what is the first thing I, sh I should do when I decide I want to buy a house? Um, make a decision. Uh, that's probably the most important thing. Uh, a lot of people 
think that it's about credit. They think that it's about down payment. They think about that it's a lot of things. But realistically, um, if I don't know where you're at, I can't help you get to where you want to go. So the biggest thing is, is to just surmise your situation, go in, uh, find out from a mortgage lender um, wh what you're qualified to do, if at all qualified. Um, um, with my particular uh, branch, we, we are doing a credit restoration program as well. So everybody is entitled to buy a house. They just got to get to the point where they can. Um, the, the down payment, and I'm sorry, so there's the three C's of uh, buying a house, right? You got capital, you got capacity, and you got credit, right? Well, mm -hmm. the credit is something that, you know, everybody can't overcome, but um, there's some spectacular things happening in the credit restoration uh, arena that allows people to, to heal or their credit a lot sooner than, than what they were able to do it in the past. Uh, the capacity meaning that you got uh, reserves because it's, it's one thing to be able to, uh, to afford your down payment. It's another thing to be able to afford the closing, but you still got to pay that mortgage at the end of it. You know, you, every month you got to be able to, to do that. So to having the capacity to do that is important. And then, um, you know, the collateral part of it, um, you know, it, it might be that you own some land, you own some property, you, you know, um, you have a business idea uh, that is going to make you money uh, eventually. Um, uh, at Liberty, we have a product called the Portfolio Loan, which is a private equity line. And in that, uh, they allow people that deserve to own a house to be able to buy a house. So when we go out and we try to get a loan done, um, you might not be able to do it conventionally, but um, you know, if, if this person deserves to be in a house, then Liberty is there to back it with their own funds, their private equity in order to get that done. So I can speak to Liberty Bank and Trust on that regard. I just have to look into that. Yeah. Now, is that just in your local area? Uh, no, I, I do loans in all 50 states. Um, uh, we're a national, um, nationally licensed mortgage uh, lending institution. It's uh, a bank just like Bank of America, Chase, uh, Wells Fargo, the big names that you know. Um, but it just happens to be a minority-owned bank. What makes us the largest is we just went over a billion dollars in assets. Um, as of the beginning of this year, uh, the bank itself is celebrating 50 years. And uh, when you go over a billion dollars in asset, you become federally uh, insured. So that was the benefit of uh, this year as opposed to any other year getting involved with the bank. Well, we're going to have to put the link to that bank in, uh, in the description as well as at the end of this uh, podcast. Now, with Redfin out there, a lot of fulfilled by owners, why do I need to use a realtor? All right, so let me explain to uh, people, and I, I really want people to get this. Um, uh, I uh, work on a job, right? Yeah. I'm, um, I'm a plumber. I'm a, um, a uh, mechanic or so on and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's an old saying that says that, you know, like um, a plumber came into the house or whatever. And after about five minutes, he decided to hit like one spot and uh, the, 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 the backup in the pipe was fixed. So the person is like, well, why should I pay you what, you know, what you call charge your rate? He said, you're not paying me because um, I fixed the problem. You're paying me because I knew where to go to fix it. So when you decide to go out and be your own realtor, your own lender, your own um, anything, 
you know, you don't know the pitfalls of what's currently going on in the market. And everything that you think you know, uh, when you get out there and you're fumbling through it and you, you mess up, now you, get, you, you don't have anybody to be able to uh, go back and, and fix that. You see what I'm saying? Because you tried to do it yourself. So somebody with the expertise that knows how to find that one spot is where you, that's where the benefit of having the professional in the field to do it. Yes, you're going to pay them their, 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 their fee of what they, what they owe. The seller pays the, uh, the buyer's agent and the, uh, the, the buyer pays the, the seller's agent, right? But in the end, you're going to be better off because you're in a better position to buy all of the documents, everything that goes along with the process. You don't have to worry about doing that. Now, if you want to become a realtor, absolutely, you know, buy and sell your own, own property. But if you, if you want to, to, to know where to hit that one spot, then you need somebody to be able to help you do that. Absolutely. Just a couple of quick questions, uh, Antonio. You mentioned lender. Um, I know we had talked about, you know, as far as, uh, you know, do I need a realtor? Uh, you know, uh, moving through the process. Is it best to go get a lender first before I even go see a realtor? How does that work? Well, generally, you'll get a realtor to um, to figure out that you're in the market to buy. Um, that's generally how it happens normally, right? Um, I can advise to go both ways, you know, me being a realtor, me being a lender, right? Um, the lender is, like I say, again, you know, I can't tell you where you want to go if you don't, if I don't know where you're at. So the lender is going to be able to look at your credit, uh, surmise if you're in a position to buy, and then qualify you for the amount that you want to purchase a, a house for. Uh, it's the realtor's job to go out shopping once they have that pre-approval, pre-qualification in order to give you the opportunity to, to buy. So, you know, if without that pre-qualification, you're just out there kicking tires for the most part because you're in the dark you don't know exactly what you qualify for and so on and so forth so i think that the combination is strong so sometimes realtors bring in clients sometimes we give clients to realtors um but it just depends on you know what the situation is when you come come through okay great and do i do i need a realtor uh you know uh as far as and home inspector for like a new um, construction, if I'm buying new houses, uh, is that actually needed? Well, a home inspector is on you. Basically, that's your opportunity to see if there's anything wrong with the house, right? The appraisal process is different. The appraisal is just there to say what the valuation of that property is, right? The home inspector is going to go in and look in the attic, look in the ceiling, see if that, that uh air conditioning works, if the, the water the water heater needs to be replaced, all of those different things. So that's where the inspector comes in. Uh, as it pertains to new construction, uh, generally everything is going to be new or whatever, but a, a, a home inspector can also tell you if they did shoddy work. So, you know, whereas you do have a warranty in any new construction, the home inspector is going to be able to say, hey, you're going to need to, to take a look at this because that's going to fail sooner rather than later. So you can, as a new uh, homeowner buying a new construction, get that fixed before you ever move into the property because that is something that they're responsible for. So right. it's, it's, it's a, yeah. a double-edged sword. You've got to pay for the appraisal, but the home inspector is a, a, is a nice to have, not a got to have. But at the same time, if you want to know everything about that house, um, aside from new construction, then the, the home inspector is going to give you that, uh, that information. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah, because I that's that's uh that's a good point because I wouldn't have even thought of that, you know, that he can go in and say, hey, the work is shoddy. And, you know, you may not even want to move into the uh, to the neighborhood after that if it's something to where they look like they rush through it. Yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of times with this new construction, they charge you these exorbitant prices for marble, uh, marble or career countertops and all of those different things. But then they have, um, you know, uh, shoddy wood that they're using in the walls. They have shoddy uh, workmanship on the painting. You know, you know how after a year they come back in and get the pops and those different things or whatever. Well, like I said, a, a home inspector in the beginning can let you know right off, hey, you're going to need to attend to this. So you can, you know, like, so you'll have a, like a laundry list of stuff that you can fix, like right off the bat. And it's the new constructions. Uh, it's the builder's responsibility to come in and take care of that. I don't care how many problems you have. They have to take care of that in that first year. They have to. And then you go to a, a home, a, a warranty situation for two to 10 years. So you, you want to definitely take care of everything that you can uh, initially on, 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 on onset, as opposed to trying to figure it out after the fact. Nice. And that two to ten warranty you're paying for, you know, that first year they're paying for. Got it. Got it. Antonio, all realtors are not credit equally. What are some red flags to look out for with some realtors? You know, um, that's that's a hard question. I, I say that because of going through the process, right? Uh, the the real estate agents go through a, a strenuous process. Some realtors, like I went to a seven-week school. Some realtors go to a two-week school, right? And neither one of them is bad. It's just that it's how much that realtor after the fact puts into their craft, okay? So okay. things that are required in the realty uh, space is once you finish your class, you have to come back and get a 25-hour post-licensing, right? Everybody, I don't care who you are, has to do that, right? Um, depending on if you get with a credible national realty, like say for instance, the Keller Williams and the EXPs and the, uh, ERAs and so on and so forth. And I'm not naming them to make them better than anybody else. You know, you can go to a mom and pop, uh, broker and do the same thing if they got good quality education. It just depends right. on how much that realtor wants to put into their craft in becoming a better, um, what you'll see, you know, all the glitters ain't always gold. You know, you'll have the people with the billboards and all those different things. They're just, uh, you know, better marketed than, than the, the, the small realtor. So the, I just say, give them the opportunity. You know, you got a 90 day contract with most realtors, right. You know, to, 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 to come through with what they say that they can do. Right. right. Um, I think every, everybody needs the opportunity and you can only get better through, uh, you know, obviously, obviously you don't want the trial by fire to be through you, but at the same time, you can both grow together because you can learn things in the process so that the next time, you know, cause most people stay in the house from, you know, anywhere from five to 10 years, they don't stay there the 30 years that they normally used to stay. Right. So mm -hmm. the next time you get ready to buy a house, you, as much as you can learn in the process, it's going to make it so much easier the next time you decide to buy a house. Right. So you said um, the 90 days, you have a realtor on the contract for 90 days. Do they charge you for that? And if so, how much basically what they, how much they charge? No, their charge is actually getting their commission at the end of that, at the end of closing that deal. That's, that's their charge. So, you know, when you hire them, you're hiring them to do their job. If they don't do their job, you have the right to fire them because they didn't do their job. 
but that's a breach of contract and you can just make that known in the process. Now I'm not advising anybody to hire a realtor and then just go fire them just because you having the wild hair at that time, right. you know, it, that's not what the purpose of what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is, is that if, if you, if you get somebody and they're not responsive to your needs and I'm, I don't mean like you call them and they didn't answer the phone. I mean, you know, you call two weeks later, you, you know, they finally getting back to you. That's, that's not good response time. Right. You know what I'm saying? But if you're working with somebody in a day or two or whatever, um, then, you know, they should be able to get back to you and at least acknowledge you if nothing else, and then set up a time when they can make the appointments that's necessary. Um, I'll say this one other thing, right. Um, a lot of times when people decide to go out and, uh, look for houses or whatever, they really just want to kick the tires, right. The right. good realtor is going to develop five to, to 10 properties that you want to look at. And then out of those five to 10 properties, because they're going to ask you what your wants and needs uh, are before you even go to look at the first house. A good realtor is going to do that, right? They're going to do a, a prospectus on you to figure out what you want. And then they're going to go out and research and find the houses based on the, the criteria that you gave them, right? Right. But five to 10 houses for you to look at. And then you should really only be going to look at three houses, especially in this market. You know what I'm saying? Here today, gone today is, is this market right now. So you go out there looking and you're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. And that might be the perfect house for you or whatever, but you weren't ready to make the offer. Somebody, you know, if you like it, five to 10 other people like it too. I promise you that, right? right so you right, got to right. be willing to take advantage at that point and not be waiting. But that realtor should have done their due diligence to make sure that what you were going to look at was what you what fits your criteria. I'm not saying several on the first thing that you look at. What I'm saying is, is that you should be able to surmise what you want in those, uh, let's say, three to five houses that you look at based on the criteria that you gave them. Right. Okay. Okay. So keep that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can definitely understand that. I've had a realtor that... Uh, Man, when I bought this house, uh, they they did me uh, they did me wrong. She told me that she doesn't go out for uh, you know more for just one house. I wanted to look at one house. She's like, I'm not driving all the way across town to do that. Uh, just to show you one house, you need to have two or three, you know, in your uh, that you want to see. And uh, we ended up well, having know, to let her go because of that. <laughs> but you know, but so that there's 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 some good and some bad in that, right? What she's saying is, is that there's no, there's not a guarantee that you're going to get that one house you're looking at. You know, even if you got somebody saying, I'm selling it to you and only you, right? You know, people change their mind like the weather changes, you know, in Atlanta, you know, it, it happens, you know. So what they're saying is, is just have backups to what you're deciding to do, because we want the, the, the end goal to this whole process is getting to the closing table, right? It's right. not to just talk about it at the time so if you're not ready to buy a house you know you need to be honest with the, the, the yourself be honest with the realtor and be honest with the mortgage lender that you're not really ready you see what i'm saying but if you're ready and and you're motivated buyer or a motivated seller you know because sometimes it's not just about the buying of the house it's sometimes it's you listing your house and getting the best dollar for what you're what you're selling right so yeah you just need to be ready you know and 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 that's what that realtor in my opinion i'm not saying that she didn't do didn't do her job i'm saying that you know if a realtor tells you that you need to at least have three three houses to look at they're saying that you know we want to make sure that we're in a position to buy when we go out so if they if they they for instance sell that house from up under you they they let they accept another offer and not yours 
well, what's your what's your backup plan today? So that's 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 probably what I I would get I would gain from that 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 interchange. Well, Tony, I would imagine the average going price now for a house in Atlanta is probably let's just say three hundred thousand dollars. So let's just say I've been renting, and now I decide I want to buy a house, and I look around and I see this three hundred dollars three hundred thousand dollar property. How much should I save in my budget? I mean, if I want to clear a down payment, I gotta pay for and a rough estimate. Right. Hard numbers. Uh, no, no, no. I can, I can give you. I can give you numbers just based off of what I know, right? So, um, right now, um, the average down payment on a house is gonna be three to five, five percent. You know, uh, if you're in the jumbo market, you're looking at ten to twenty percent. You know, it just depends on what what the market is or whatever, right? And jumbo, it can be five. Jumbo, jumbo, I'm sorry, would be. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jumbo would be six hundred and forty-eight thousand and above. Sorry, let me turn these lights back on. Six hundred forty-eight thousand dollars and above, and it actually just went up a hundred thousand dollars this year because it used to be five fifty, right? So, um, six hundred forty-eight thousand dollars. Anything over six hundred forty-eight thousand is considered in the Atlanta market, you know, because every every market's different, right? But the Jumbo federally is six hundred forty-eight thousand dollars this year, right? Um, so the question that you're asking is five to ten percent i'm sorry three to five percent is the the average conventional fha loan right um and and when you're thinking uh fha it's uh, another 1.5 percent for the mip or uh mortgage insurance on 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 the home right um but if you're a veteran um that's zero down so zero down payments not saying you don't have closing costs you just have zero down payment because it's a uh, federally uh, backed mortgage by the VA. Basically, they're covering. They're going to um, cover the mortgage 100%. So that's what mortgage insurance does on the FHA side. But in the conventional sense situation, that means that your credit is, oh, say 640 and above, right? Um, and and I don't know if that's one. I, I don't want to get ahead of the of the questions. But um, the point that I'm making is is that. It just depends on your circumstance. You know, it's not a cookie cutter system. You know, I can't tell you that the rates are going to be 5% or 2% or any of that because everything matters at the, at the day that you, you lock in on the property, you know. And a lot of people want to um, assume that they can get rates and go shopping based on rates. You can never shop based on rates because the rates change daily. Now, basically when you said the 3%, so let's say on a $300,000 house, we're looking at what? Three thousand dollars. Fifteen thousand. Well, yeah, fifteen thousand dollars on three three or on five percent on a three on a fifteen uh thousand, I mean on three hundred thousand dollars is uh uh fifteen thousand. So um, you know, you can do the math. I mean, you just you know, whatever it whatever it is, think three no, percent of that. Then, what 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 else what is the percentage you should bank on in addition to that for closing costs? Um, it just depends on what we're looking at. So closing costs, let me just, just sum that up for people. The closing cost is going to be the attorney fees. It's going to be the, the, the document filing fees. It's going to be the lender's uh, fees for processing and underwriting and, um, and those different things. Insurance, uh, you know, all of those things. So you got to do an escrow on insurance uh, when you first move into a house. You can pay it all up front or you can add it to your mortgage, right? So that's, that's going to be a cost after the fact. I'll give you a good case in point, right? So they say a zero down mortgage for VA loans, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I had zero down, the lender gave me 
five thousand dollars towards closing. Twenty five hundred on the on the uh, uh, from the the builder and twenty five hundred dollars from the the lender, right? And I still came at the closing table with zero down on one hundred seventy thousand dollar mortgage. I paid fourteen hundred dollars at the closing table. So you should always be prepared for closing costs. Um, what the banks look at is your ability to put the money down. And at the end of the at the end of the at the closing table, you should have the money to be able to close as well. So when the process happens, they send you out disclosures, and that's an initial loan estimate that tells you basically what the closing costs should be. And generally, they're going to be inflated because they don't want to miss out on anything that they should have charged you for, right? But at the closing table, three days before your closing, they're going to send you a closing disclosure. And that's going to be the actual factual money that you have to pay. It's going to be the actual factual money that the seller has to pay or bring to closing. So that's that's basically how that works. Well, I'm glad you pointed that out for the VA loan, because I know a lot of veterans get that confused because they think, oh, zero down means I don't have to have no money. I can just sign up, get a house because I'm a veteran. And I don't have to come to the table with no money out of pocket. And that's simply no. <laughs> but a lot of people <laughs> always got closing costs. You always got mm-hmm. closing costs. And that's that. If I could tell, tell anybody anything, don't ever think that you don't got closing costs. You got closing costs. It's just a matter of how much. And you'll know that right up front because, like I say, the LE, which is the, the initial loan estimate, is going to tell you that you, know, you should be prepared for X, Y, and Z by the time you go to the closing table, which might be 30 to 45 days, or, you know, it could be t- as little as two weeks, depending on how, how, how prepared and, and, you know, every, all the documents and the appraisal. So good, 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 good segue to that. The appraisal and the title work are the most time, time, time intensive or uh, intensive things of the, the process in order to close at, at the closing table right now. Used to be appraisals take place two to three days, and now it's like two weeks. You know, and it, it just depends on what's what's happening in the market. And uh, this is a dog eat dog world in the in the real estate market right now. So here today, gone today. So it's deals happening every day, all the time. So guess what? Appraisers are working, inspectors are working every day, all day. So they just because your your loan is is I mean is the one that they need to be working on, it doesn't mean that you're not in the pipeline for maybe 15 to 20 other um, uh, properties that they have to do the same thing with. So just something to, to be prepared for. That's the biggest, the biggest uh, issue is that the time and it takes for appraisal and title work. Got it. Hey, is there any other um, like hidden fees or anything they should know at closing? Um, you know, as far as like, no, um, and like I said, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no. I mean, as far as like throughout the process, you know, of, of buying a house, I know you mentioned closing and, and, and having to do, you know, they itemize it at the end, but like, is there any through the process that, uh, you know, some people may be like, wow, I didn't even realize I had to pay that also. Absolutely. Uh, the appraisal, you're going to have to pay that up front. The inspector, you're going to have to pay that up front. Uh, you may have some, uh, sewage issues that you're going to have to pay, you know, for somebody to come out and check the, uh, sump pumps and all of those different things. Uh, the termite inspection, you're going to have to pay that, um, up front. So those are things that you're going to pay. So generally, probably about a thousand or so dollars, like a little bit over a thousand dollars, is what you can expect to pay right up front if you get if you're going to get an inspector. Appraisals generally are about five hundred dollars generally, uh, but you know if you're going to do a rush appraisal because you need that 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 loan, you know, like that loan, you you got to close it right now. A rush appraisal, you know, which changes it from two weeks to maybe a week, 
um, you know, you may have to pay a little bit more. I won't quote how much because it just just depends on what the appraiser is charging at the time. But, you know, those things that you have to prepare for uh, in the process. Wow. Yeah, I know when I bought mine, I sit on a septic tank. That was something that I never even thought about until I, you know, um, we got out there. And then I was like, you know, hey, this has to be inspected. Has it been drained? Things of that nature. So, yeah, absolutely. Antonio, what should I do if I want to buy an investment property? All right. So anytime you're going into an investment stage, if you're not putting it in your name, if you're putting it in an LLC, which I, I highly recommend for anybody deciding to do investment, meaning that you should have an in, individual LLC for every property that you want to do an investment on. OK, um, then you're going to be in a commercial space. I don't do commercial. You know, we have a commercial division of our bank, but I don't do commercial. Right. So that means that you're now a business owner trying to do that. Now, I say that to say that in Conventional lending, I don't do the um, what's, what's called a commercial or capital investment, right? Now, yeah. flipping that, I do have a, I have a vehicle to do capital investments. And uh, generally, when you're, you're dealing with um, LLCs and business and those different things, you're buying a, a property in your business name, you know, you're buying and flipping and so on and so forth. Um, right. You're going to be looking at um, you know, commercial lending, but uh, at the same time, you might be doing hard money lending, capital um, investment firms and those different things. So there are, there are options, but yes, uh, to answer the question, um, that's, that's what you should do if you're buying an investment property. You should first off, you know, once you've uh, gotten the offer accepted on the property that you're looking at, go ahead and get an LLC to cover that property and then buy the property in your business name for that LLC. And it should right. be individually. You can have an overarching LLC for your whole business, but you need an individual LLC for that property because anything that happens transactions business-wise with that property should be under that LLC and be handled with that LLC on that property. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's just a small nugget, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to do that. You can buy it in your own name. But generally, if you want to diversify and make sure that you are covered legally and, you know, nothing ties back to your personal finances and all those different things, then you buy it under the business and let the business take the hit as opposed to you taking the hit. Exactly. OK. All right. Now, legal. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to get into legalese, but I would say consult with your attorney just to make sure that you're doing what you need to do. Your attorney and your accountant or CPA, whatever. Right. Okay. Let's just say I find a little uh, picture offer. Can I get financing for it and the money to fix it up? Um, yeah, so that that's what's called a 203B and 203K, uh, those different things. And there are loans out there. There are products out there for to do that. They're a little harder to, uh, to, to maneuver. You can do it. But that, that's that's an time intensive property. I mean, a process that you're going to have to to go through, uh, and you should be prepared for that. You should be prepared that it's not going to close like a conventional loan in 30 to 60 days. It just depends. You know, sometimes you'll have something tied up in probate or or short sale or all those different things. So you have to figure those things through. Um, as it pertains to the money, uh, as long as the property appraises for that amount, meaning that like you want 
for instance, you buy, you find a property for fifty thousand, and that property once it's appraised, uh, appraises for uh, one hundred and fifty thousand, right? Well, you can use that hundred thousand in that loan process because that's what the property is going to be worth, regardless of what it's worth at the time that you um, finish the the work and the remodel on it. At that time that's what it appraised for. And that's what basically you'll be getting a loan for. They're not gonna give you, they'll give you a hundred percent of the value most of the time. So 80 to hundred percent, well, let's say 75 to hundred percent of the value. But it, in a situation like that, where it's already got equity in the property, you know, if you can find something that you're lucky enough to find it, then that's, that's, that's where that loan is coming from. And then at the end of that process, you might, that property might appraise for another 50% over what, 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 you know, so another uh, 250. So this, it'll, it'll appraise for 250 at the end of the, the construction process or the renovation process. Wow. So like um, we discuss housing and things. Um, I know there's there's uh, plenty of people out there also looking for you know land. I mean that's uh, that's been a big thing here lately. What are some of the things that's required to go out and buy land? Is it the same as housing? I'm gonna tell you, and and this is as real as I can be. You know, they ain't selling. I mean they're they're not making any more land, right? So everybody wants to be the person that 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 gets the land because you never know how much that, that land is going to uh, value, uh, become valued at, right? Well, you need to be prepared with hard money uh, anytime you got land because uh, banks and lending institutions are very, um, they're very adverse to just lending on the land. It's what you're going to do with it after you get it that they care about. So a lot of times, and one of the things my bank, I'm, I'm glad to say, especially my branch, uh, we do like a build your own dream home. So a lot of people are not finding what they want in the house when they go out here in the housing market, right? They want to find some land uh, and build a property on it, you know, to their specs, to their likings, you know, room sizes and so on and so forth. So uh, it's called a construction of firm loan, right? So you find a lot, you purchase the lot, you do the construction on it. And generally that's going to be like a 12 month interest, interest only loan. And then at the end, you're going to finance the permanent construction, right? So it could be a three closing process. It could be a one closing process. It just depends on uh, the laws and, you know, if you can get that deal done at that time. Um, I won't go into um, intricacies on that because it just depends on your particular situation at that time with that lender. Uh, but that's another thing that our portfolio or private equity is, is really good at. Um, we're, we're, we're really strong in the jumbo market and we're really strong in the construction of firm, uh, lots construction of firm market. That's what's up. And, and so, uh, what advice do you have for someone upside down with, with their mortgage financing? You got to realistically look at the market. Everything is about valuation of the property. What is it appraised for, right? So what I do for my clientele is I just give them a, a, an appraisal estimate based off of a, a tool that I use, right? So even if you're going out to, even the buyer going out to look at a house, I give that to them as a opportunity to kind of see what they're buying, right? You know, um, you know, sometimes uh, just on estimates, you know, they, they didn't, take into account that the basement was unfinished and it was finished now that, you know, the, the property is going up for sale, right? So it's just an estimate, but generally it's kind of in the ballpark. It'll be like the estimate range and then it'll be like a lowest to, to highest 
amount that it could be. And, um, you know, I found that, that you know, like when, when, when realtors use as a CMAs when they do a comparative market analysis in that area or assessments, that's kind of what that is. But at the same time, um, again, if they're upside down, there's, it's just like with a, a, a vehicle, you know, you're, you're going to have to wait till the market uh, comes up to be able to support uh, the negative that you have. Um, I know another uh, indication on that is forbearance, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people didn't pay their mortgage because the, the federal government said they didn't. But guess what? Their mortgage still come and due, right? So um, one of the things I'm happy to say is that one of the products that we offer is um, a, uh, a 40-year mortgage. Uh, and that helps us in the jumbo market. It also helps us in those people that have a forbearance. So it allows them to be able to, to pay their, the, the same amount that they're paying, maybe a little lower, and still assume that mortgage until the market comes back up. And then at that time, they can refinance for a 15 or 30, 30 year mortgage, um, you know, when, when the property appraises um, or the equity goes up in, the, in that property. If, if the, the equity goes up in the property. Right. Okay. I remember that. So Antonio, you know, I was looking at the news yesterday and they see that Target is going to give a raise about $24 an hour. Let's just say I'm a Target worker and I want to buy a home now. It's like, okay, I didn't jump from $15 to $24 an hour. Mm -hmm. I how much home I can afford. Um, where it comes in is, is how long you've been on the job. Um, what reserves you have, meaning how much money you got in the bank, you know, or what it acts like money, 401k, so on and so forth, right? Uh, in some cases, life insurance would be another indication of what, you know, what acts like money, you know, um, if you have a certain amount in your cash value or your, uh, of your life insurance policy or whatever, you know, uh, and, and it's not to say that you're using that for down payment or anything, but if something were to happen to you, that is a backing for, uh, for your property. So, Everything that the bank does is off of risk versus reward, right? So the more of a risk you are, the less likely they are to loan you money. And if they do loan you money, they're loaning it to you at a higher rate, right? So the amount that you can afford is based off of what your total picture looks like. There is no cookie cutter. You make $24 an hour, so you can afford $400,000 a house. There's no cookie cutter situation. It's all about debt to income um and your credit and capacity to, to to buy that house and credit capacity and collateral that was those are the three c's in, in uh mortgage lending credit capacity and collateral oh wow hey uh antonio just a, a couple quick questions um with the housing market just booming out of the roof uh i'm sure there's a lot of people considering refinancing their house taking that loan mm -hmm. off the off the um off the off the press off the capital of it you know with their what they what they're basically appraised at is that is that a smart idea? Are we in a bubble? So remember, what I told you right. Um, a, a house is the best way to get the the fastest way to get to um, uh, 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 an equity position in in the market as uh, wealth management or uh, increasing your what's the word I'm uh, the phrase I'm looking for um, wealth. Wealth position uh, basically, yeah, it, it creates yeah. it creates the equity in in in, in generational in, wealth. So I'm sorry. Yeah. So owning the house and having equity in it is the best, is the best and fastest way to get to generational wealth, right? 
And the reason being is, is that um, while you have, you bought a house, say for instance, $150,000, right? It appraised to uh, $250,000, but you haven't refinanced it or anything like that. Now you want to take a refinance for, let's say, 75% of the value of the equity that you currently have in the house, because they still want you to have some equity in the house. They're not going to give you 100% of the equity in a lot of cases because they still want you to have some value left in the house, right? So you could take, say, for instance, $75,000 out of that $100,000 that the house is appraised for, and you could take that and open up a business. You could take that and uh, pay off debt so that you, you know, you, the, the, the amount of money that the mortgage payment went up doesn't, you know, like put you in the poorhouse, so to speak, right? And then also, the greatest thing in the world, and please, people, get at me, is going from an FHA converting to a conventional loan, which now means that you don't have to pay mortgage insurance anymore, okay? So you're saving yourself $300, $400 a month because you no longer have to pay that PMI. Do, so, do, you, do you think we're in a bubble or, you know, do you think this is going to change? I mean, what about those people who are pulling that you out? You know, this, it's definitely not 2008, 2009. Uh, okay. I can tell you that the majority of the, the uh, mortgages that are on the market now, if they weren't bought back then, and pretty much everything, I don't care where you are in America right now, pretty much everything is appraised. I mean, it has gone up in value so far right. as equity goes, right? I don't care if it's a shack that's run down or whatever, you know, the land is worth something, you know, it, what, what, it, what it boils down to, right? Um, so everything is pretty much uh, shot up in value so far as equity goes, right? But um, we're not going to ever be in an upside-down market like it was in 2008, 2009, you know, um, because um, everything is appraising for what it's worth is what it comes down to, right? And the best thing to do in, in a, a market that, you know, where the, the, the housing values are starting to trend down and all those different things is to, to hold until it comes back up. Y'all know that it's a 20-year, you know, curve up and down, right? Um, 2008, 2009, 20 years was probably about 15 to 20 years was probably about average, right? But 2022 and on maybe five to five to 10 years at the most will be the curve only because the housing market is way different than 2008, 2009. Right. I think that's what a lot of people are afraid of. You know, we all went right. through that with that, that with those houses dropped to nothing and people owed more than what the, you know, the house was worth. What I, I just say, if you're going to refinance, just have a plan, you know, you no, know, don't do it just to, to get some money so you can go uh, uh, spend it at the club. Um, <laughs> Thanks. What's going on, bro? <laughs> no, I'm good. Appreciate it. Sorry about that, y'all. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you have to have a plan for it. And, and I think the best thing that you can do is develop, especially right now with all of the money that's been given by the federal government and all those different things. Right now is the best time to uh, do something for yourself, regardless if, if you're working for somebody else and you're making them rich. You should be making yourself rich also. Wow. Enriching yourself and enriching, enriching your family. Absolutely. Definitely agree. Well, information. It is. I'm over I just want to know how I can get to this podcast. You know what I'm saying? I need to be able to post this podcast. You know what I'm saying? 
I laid it down. No, <laughs> you, you you did lay it down. And, yes. You know, every week is a new episode, and of course, it's after five the podcast on YouTube, and we're on other platforms such as Google Podcast. Now we're on uh, Castbox. We're on uh, Help Me Out uh, Spotify Public Radio. We're on Anchor Anchor FM. We're on Spotify. Uh, and let me just mention this. Uh, my name is Antonio Buckley. I work for uh, uh, Liberty Bank and Trust Mortgage, right? Uh, the website you can find me at is www.bigmortgageteam.com. Uh, make sure that you ask for me as your mortgage loan or, or originator or officer. Um, and then uh, I, I currently work with ERA Realty. Uh, or ERA Ivy League Realty, um, and um, and I do uh, life insurance with 14 different companies. So um, you can find me uh, at bigmortgageteam.com, uh, or you can get me at 404-457-2681, um, and I will be more than happy to, to give you any information you need and definitely help you to get to the closing table. And I'm going to tell you, everybody uh, in America that is listening to this podcast, there's no purpose in trying to try to trying to to own something if you're not ready to do it. I'm not saying do not start the process. You absolutely need to start the process. But when you're coming to the table, be ready to do something because it's, this is not a market to be uh, uh, shuffling your feet or kicking tires. This is a, a take uh, action now market. Period. No, no matter what you're doing. Once we have to file, we got your back. And all that you just said will be in the description of this podcast for them to just click on. All right. Well, hey, man, much love to y'all. Thank y'all for this opportunity. Uh, when Ken came to me, I, did, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but I was all for it. Before you go, Antonio, we ask every guest this question. What is after five? What comes to mind when you hear after five? Oh, it's either putting on uh, some some clothes, uh, having a, a nice libation of your choice, and then chilling with some good people. Absolutely. That's what we all about on this podcast, bringing each and every person knowledge. You know, it's gossip. You can you can watch it. You can find gossip and news anywhere, but we're bringing knowledge. You know, if you started watching this podcast, we started in January. If this podcast don't change your life with the guests and the quality of content that we bring into you every Wednesday, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> your life should increase by watching this podcast. <laughs> right. This, this, this is Fat Tuesday, so I think that this is probably a, a good time to do that as well. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I myself have to come back and watch some of these episodes because the information okay. and the content that we're dropping be so good. I'm like, let me write some of this down and get it that the the, the content and the quality of the guests that we're bringing. But yeah, we definitely enjoyed it. You're definitely gonna have to come back. With we're talking about, we may do this summer. We may do a, a economic summit with some crypto mm -hmm. experts, some um, real estate experts. Uh, we, we had guests such as, you know, Steve Spence, the book of what the lead don't want you to know about money. We had Mason on here about buying gold. So we're talking about, we might just combine it all and just as our gift to our community. Hey, here's all the experts that won. Ask some questions. Right. Gotcha. 
<laughs> no problem. Hey, brothers, y'all have a good one. Thank you for my my time and thank you for your time. Man, thank you, Antonio. Thank you, Antonio. All right. All right. See. There we go. If you like to find value as with every week in this episode, please find that little thumbs up button. Click that thumbs up button and then scroll over and hit subscribe. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Share us. Share it to your auntie, your uncle, your cousin, your best friend. They need this knowledge. You know, even if you don't like them, you know, everybody needs this as, as a come up. Please like and share and subscribe to our podcast and our YouTubes, our Facebooks, our Instagram, and our Twitter. And we're on TikTok. All of it been in, in all of it is in the description. And if you like the fly shirts that we sport, you see you got the hoodie on. Absolutely. You got the hoodie and we got other merch. Please, the link is in the description. Ali Apparel. You know, if, if you would like to be a part of this podcast, send us an email. We'd love to have you and hear your story. As always, the At the Five podcast, Ali, Fable, Drew. Never know what we may pop up at. You never know what conversation may happen at the happy hour. Fellas, unless you fellas got anything else, you got anything, Fable? We're here on every Wednesday. If you forget, please sure to hit the notifications on the uh, YouTube, and it'll notify you of when our video goes up. Thank you. And y'all also email us, you know, we free of charge. Come to the podcast. Tell us y'all stories, man. We really, we really appreciate y'all help. Same as we'll help y'all. As always, we got some dynamic guests coming in the future. Until next, next Wednesday. Peace.